Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hour number three, our third and final. Live right here on the early line begins on this Thursday all across the Spiz Grizz Network. He is Donnie Wrightside. I am Ben Stevens. Plenty of previews as we get you set for week number 18 around the National Football League. The hot stove in this offseason of MLB is not even at a simmer anymore. The gas does not work. We'll look at tonight's hardwood handicaps in both the NBA and college basketball in a college football playoff conversation with the expansion of 12 teams on the horizon with one final game in the four-team format. A national championship in just three days' time out in Houston, Texas between Michigan and Washington. Yes, and we're getting closer to perfection in college football. 12 teams mm. on the horizon. It'll be wonderful next year. We could have let Florida State play out their hearts and dreams by getting beat by 60 in a college football playoff like they would have done this year, but we might just have to wait one more year for that to happen. But everybody will get a partition trophy with 12, and I love that because more teams that care in a college football playoff is more fun for everybody just like myself to handicap it and yep. watch it play out. I can't wait to see it next year, but we still have one more fan fantastic football game before we get there and you know what's so interesting about the florida state conversation a lot of people retroactively using the result in the orange bowl and fsu down 23 starters who had opted out to georgia getting hammered as the reason florida state should not have made the college football playoff when the committee does not project it only looks back on your results what's so interesting though is the better retroactive argument would have been in a 12-team college football playoff format where florida state as the five would have played the group of five champion in this case liberty and if the seminoles lost that game then yeah maybe they didn't deserve to be in a dance at the first place let's welcome in that sports grid radio audience sirius xm channel 159 all of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the mix as well he is donnie right side i am ben stevens this is a thursday live right here on the early line and we asked the public before the end of hour two here to start off our third and final hour what is the best format for the college football playoff 14 or 12 teams I actually Donnie expected this poll to be a little bit tighter than it was more than 85 percent of the public is in favor of that 12 team CFP Yes, and I'm glad they are favored by that much, and it should be even a wider margin. It should be 100% to zero at this point. But here's where we're also going to get ourselves in trouble. And I, I always say this, Ben, with, with a lot of love yeah. in my heart. I need to be the commissioner mm. of this committee here because, of yes, course. we do love the expansion to 12, but is it really an expansion to 12 here? Like, Liberty should not be included in this conversation. I don't care if they're the best group of five team or whatever. Do you know what it should be, Ben? The top 12 teams in the final AP standings make the playoff. I I don't care if you won your conference. Your conference might have sucked that year when the other two conferences or three conferences were fantastic. Insane. Give me the best yeah. 12 football teams to get in. I'm glad we don't play these games in other sports because why? Like I, and I understand the point here, right? 12 is better than what we're getting at four, but we're still not going to get the best 12 teams in it, and we're going to get angry when a team like, I don't know, Oregon gets left out because the group of five actually has to be a participant in here. That's why the NCAA tournament yeah. in March Madness works so well. Ben, there's so many teams in it. We're not upset when right. some of the you know 330th for, best for team sure. gets in because they won their conference because we're for still sure. getting the best of the best. I just want the best 12 teams in. But having said that, four, yeah. not good enough. 12, that's better. 
Yeah, for sure. We're never angry about a team that is snubbed off the bubble because teams that go from the bubble like the first four to the final four never happens in the NCAA tournament. That makes a ton of sense. We are still going to argue and debate who those final teams are, 9, 10, 11, in terms of the at-large bids to the college football playoff. But one thing we do need to iron out here and figure out in a very quick amount of time, what exactly is the format? for the new 12-team college football playoff. Because as of last offseason, when there was still more than just four conferences remaining at the power, whatever you want to call it now, level, it was the idea of the six plus six. The five power five conference champions and the highest ranked group of five champion as well with six at-large bids. But the Pac-12 is dead. Oregon, Washington, USC, UCLA, now in the Big Ten. Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah will now play in the Big 12. Cal and Stanford make their way to the ACC. Oregon State and Washington State still survive in the Pac-2 with a scheduling alliance to the Mountain West in football, but there is really not an argument that is a Power 5 conference at this moment. There's really only four power conferences as we enter 2024 and you could make an argument a power two or three even ahead of the ACC at this moment but four power four conferences at this time are we going to do four plus eight is there going to be an automatic bid for conference champions will there be that automatic qualifier for the highest ranked group of five conference champion those details still need to be ironed out because that's where you figure out the format of who gets a bid and then how those bids work. I could see a world where we stick to the four power four conferences, each getting an automatic bid for who their conference champion is to earn that first round by in the college football playoff format of 12 teams. But there was a lot to be ironed out this summer, Donnie, and how exactly the 12 teams are going to look and how we will get into those debates of who should be an at-large qualifier versus an automatic qualifier based on winning a conference. And also, there's some more stuff that can be done, which we're always missing the boat here. Oh, the bowl's got to be tied in. Why can't bowl season be separated from the actual playoff season? Because hear me out on this. Just like the NFL, where is the championship game played? It's on a rotating schedule and usually a warm-weather city, and everybody loves it because it's a big party. Why do we have bowl games here scheduled for some of these playoff games? It's remove the bowl games entirely there. Play these games on campus. Get that unbelievable atmosphere where yeah. you're going to have home field advantages and the pageantry will be so much fun to watch you play out. Like, I keep getting back to, like, Alabama playing at Penn State in the college football playoffs, you know, in January yeah. in the snow would be unbelievable theater. We don't need that in a washed environment somewhere in the Fiesta Bowl or asking your fan base mm -hmm. to pay for three games. Hey, we're going to go to this bowl game, that bowl game, then the championship game. Stop the madness. Home field advantage would be so much fun to watch in the college football playoff, and hopefully down the line that does happen. Yeah, I would hope so as well. The opening round will be played yeah. as of right now at yeah. on-campus sites, which is part of the incentive to finish 5 through 8 versus 9 through 12. 5 through 8 would host that first round of the college football playoff. But from the quarterfinal into the semifinal into the national championship, it would rotate among the New Year's six, those six bowls that we have right now with the six different venues rotating on an annual basis for who hosts a quarterfinal versus a semifinal but you're right Donnie think about the atmosphere that we had on Monday at the Rose Bowl between number one Michigan and number four Alabama yes a college football playoff site but a historic venue in the sport of college football what if that game was the site of the national championship each and every season something to discuss later on to baseball we go up next SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh 
Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Aaron Dolan. Live right here on this Thursday on the early line on SportsGrid. It's Ben, it's Donnie, and now Craig Mish joins us as the man in the middle. He hosts Newswire each and every day, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time right here on the Spiz Grizz Network. He is our Major League Baseball insider as well. So, Craig, tell us what's good with the hot stove. Did somebody forget to pay the gas bill this month? Why aren't we seeing any moves right now in the Major League Baseball offseason? Well, guys, it's, you know, obviously a complicated issue. And yesterday I was kind of got tired of it. And, you know, you really don't see me spouting off much on, on social media because, honestly, I have better things to do than to talk to people who are going to yell at me back. But, look, I, I think it's a, a confluence of events that have come up. I do think that some of the revenue for the teams has definitely been an issue for maybe the mid to low end with all the diamond sports groups and Bally and all of that, you know, teams just kind of unclear where the money's going to come in from their TV contracts. Now that obviously is not going to affect the Dodgers or the Yankees or the Mets or some of these other teams. But I think that the problem that baseball has and has had is that the sport only works very well with deadlines. And if you do not set a deadline for anything in baseball, nothing gets done because of the, the players union and the owners are just incredible negotiators, uh, you know, best unions, best groups of all time in the history of sports. And they just like to spar back and forth. They think it's fun. It's not fun for us, but that's just kind of where it is. So until they decide, and I don't think it'll ever happen, that there needs to be some sort of free agent signing beginning and end, I just don't see this changing. And quite frankly, I, I could honestly come back next year and say it was the best offseason ever in 25. It could happen. But year to year, you don't know. Last year was amazing. We had all these signings happening in November and December. This year has been horrible. Uh, they're just you know, really two or three big signings, and everybody else is waiting. And, and the other thing that I would like to add to this, too, is that there's so much narrative out there as to this player is holding it up and that player is holding it up. Guys, there's like 40, 50 free agents that are still left that are going to sign contracts of $3 million and $4 million. What are they being held up by? I mean, come on. It has nothing to do with Cody Bellinger or Yamamoto or anything else. It's just the nature of, of this market and the back and forth between the players and owners. Uh, the, the players are never going to agree to a time period where they can't sign contracts. It's never going to happen. I would love for it to happen. It should happen. They will never agree. Wait, wait a minute. We can't sign contracts for two weeks in January? Why? We're not going to allow that. But, but honestly, there has to be some sort of resolution to get this like the NBA and the NFL. And I'm not saying the cap is the answer, but they need to have something else happen. Good stuff. Oh, oh, by the way, Craig, yeah, I need to ask you a question about this, too, because, you know, the, the key word in like, you know, post pandemic was people quiet quitting. Now, the reason I'm going to ask you this question is, are some of the teams that you just brought up the lower end of the spectrum going like this is a broken system? We're just going to drag our feet out here, you know, almost like a co we a collusion a lot in Major League Baseball. And that's what the issue with the Major League Baseball players union and the owners get caught up in over the years here. Don't sign a guy to too much money. Let's keep the payrolls intact, even though we don't have a salary cap. Are some teams actually looking at it angry of the way free agency has happened and they're just going to be like, oh, we'll just wait this out and we'll make a mockery of this system? No, I don't think so, Donnie. I think the teams have the money and I think all the players are going to get signed. I mean, Donnie, next month at this time, all the players that we're talking about yep. right now yep. are all going to be signed. So why is it not happening now? And why is it going to happen in a month? Because they don't have to. Nobody has to do anything. They could literally wait and say, you know what? Maybe in a month from now, I'm going to use it in the you know most granular terms. Maybe I can save one dollar if I'm the owner, right? I, I'm I'm going to say or the team, I'm going to save one dollar by waiting a month. And the player is saying maybe I can make one more dollar by waiting a month. There's no deadline. I'm in no rush. Why not wait? And that's the problem. There is no deadline. You know when the deadline is? It's opening day because a player by that time has to start getting paid. 
And so until that changes, honestly, you could understand both sides. They may, it's a negotiation. They may as well wait. And this is not like filling up a salary cap where you have to have a certain amount of money spent or, you know, a floor or a ceiling or anything like that. Like in the NBA, the best players get signed or signed to trade immediately. NFL best players are out there. We have a certain amount of space. We need to fill that space with this player. It does not happen in baseball. It's all negotiation about money. And they're going to wait until the bitter end to either make a buck or save a buck. That is what's happening. And again, think about this. Every player that is not signed right now, next month, they're all signed. Why? <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. At that point, at this point from a month from now, we're getting ready for pitchers and catchers to report for yeah. spring training. So, Craig, outside of the dollars and the cents, a lot of this will change maybe with some of those signings that will happen here in the next few weeks. But currently, the American League pennant odds stack up as such, where the Yankees are the favorites at plus 450, 10 cents in front of the Astros, who are in front of their in-state and divisional foe. In the reigning World Series champions, the Texas Rangers at plus 550. The Yankees made one of the first big splashes of this MLB offseason, the trade to acquire Juan Soto from the San Diego Padres. Craig, do you agree with the idea that the odds makers are sharing by having the pinstripes booked as the favorites to win the pennant in the American League? As it presently stands, no, not at all. And I don't remember who told me this story once upon a time before sports betting was legal. I mean, I think we're going back 10, 15, 20 years when I was told this story. And so I'll repeat it because it is worth mentioning always when it comes to the Yankees and Notre Dame and uh, Alabama and you know Tom Brady, like in the past. The, the reason why the Yankees are the favorite always, and the reason why they're favorite in all these games, at least for me, and why Notre Dame, you never get good odds on Notre Dame and Alabama and, and these popular teams, is because you're always protecting against the average better. What did that mean in the past? It meant in Las Vegas, now it means on your phone, the average person who doesn't bet on sports at the Venetian, at Caesars, at Mandalay Bay, they've never bet on anything before. They walk into a sports book. They know nothing about sports, but they look at the board, Ben, and they say, Yankees, I know who they are. That sounds like a fun bet. And essentially, that's why, to me, the Yankees are always favored every year. It's why you never get good odds on Notre Dame or Alabama or anyone else. It is a, always a very public team and a very public bet. The Yankees, the way they are constructed, is very similar to last year, with the exception of Soto. Uh, they're pitching still, yeah. to me, not good enough. Have to add more in order to jump over teams, to me, like Baltimore, like Tampa Bay, even Toronto, I cannot see the Yankees as the World Series favorite at this point. That could change in a heartbeat. They end up with Blake Snell, Cody Bellinger, something else. Maybe we have a different opinion. But as constructed right now here in early January, no, I don't think the Yankees are the favorite to win the World Series. Craig, 10 to 15 years ago, that was me that told you that story. Shame on you for not remembering who actually brought that to your attention right there. Now, let's get to some fun here and keep it in the AL Let me ask you a question. Yep, see that? Well, come on, man. We're way back. Get your Blackberry out there. It was me and you having some fun out there. Yeah, the race, it definitely one price here. You. It was, okay. It was, it was, same thing, no, same thing here. Yeah. Quick question here on the race. Seven to one price here to win. Not the AL pennant, but just to win the division here. Is this one of those seasons where maybe it's going to catch up to the race? Because they're always able to find pitchers and hitters here. Wander Franco probably never coming back to that baseball team. The starting pitching lost a lot of luster in this offseason over the past two years. Give me a quick look at what the Rays can we can expect from them this year in 2024. Yeah, the, the positive betting on the Rays outcome is always, Donnie, the season win totals because they're never truly projected as good as they're going to be. I'm sort of with you in the sense that it's really hard at this point to look at the way that their roster is constructed and believe that they're, let's say, a uh, ALCS or World Series team. And I don't think that their business is done either. We've heard a lot of rumors surrounding a Rosarina. But the, the way that the Rays do it essentially is they're a sell-high team. And so at the moment, they feel they can add to their farm system or get more guys under control. They do it. Let's also not forget Glasnow, who they did trade, and he's fantastic. I think he's a great ad for L.A., uh, you know, ha hasn't pitched a ton with the Rays the last couple of years. So uh, mm -hmm. I think they'll be okay, Donnie. But genuinely speaking, I agree with your sentiment about World Series ALCS. Probably not my pick this year. Yeah, that's where Tampa is at this moment. The AL East is going to be competitive, as you see there from the odds. Craig Mish, as always, we appreciate the time. Enjoy Newswire today. That starts in just about 40 minutes at 11 a.m. Eastern. Week 18 previews around the NFL next.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Live right here on the early line on this Thursday all across the Sports Grid Network. We get you set for week number 18 around the National Football League. It's the regular season finale in the 2023 NFL campaign. I am Ben. He is Donnie. And now joining us live right here on this Thursday on the early line, it's two-time Super Bowl champion and a Super Bowl MVP, Phil Sims, here on this Thursday on the early line on behalf of FanDuel. Phil, as always, we appreciate the time. Are you excited for week number 18 in that regular season finale? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm like everybody else. I want to know the answers here. So let's see who makes it. We've been talking about it for so many weeks. And always the last couple weeks of every season is, I think, awesome. We always see upsets. We'll see upsets this week. I don't know who it's going to be. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited. The playoffs, the whole thing, it's going to be a great weekend. Yeah, Phil, so much to figure out from those playoff clinching scenarios all around the NFL. Those answers will be given to us with two games on Saturday and 14, a full Sunday slate. And not just from the team perspective, Phil, but the individual races for those awards around the National Football League as well. We shared this graphic yesterday. Everybody right now in every awards market is a pretty hefty odds on favorite, including to win that NFL MVP. P. Lamar Jackson minus 20,000. Phil, as you look up yeah. and down those categories right here on this Thursday on the early line before we get into week number 18, do you believe everybody is deserving of that odds on favorite price? Well, you know, I couldn't quite see it here. I don't have my glasses on, but one is Lamar Jackson. If uh, the MVP, I think it's over. I mean, the way he's played like the past couple weeks uh, against the 49ers and, of course, against Miami. That is, somebody asked me, I said, that's over. Let's let's move on to another subject. Lamar won the MVP, and um, those last couple games were tremendous, and I think that's one of the reasons why I think he pulled ahead maybe. It was really close, but he just shut the door on everybody. Phil, take a look here at the court, at the uh, coaching standings here coming into it and winning the coach of the year. Kevin Stefanski, I mean, you want to talk about a guy who's done an unbelievable job with multiple quarterbacks and holding that team together. Just a few short weeks ago, not many were talking about him as a coach of the year candidate, but now a heavy favorite. Steichen, I thought, has done an unbelievable job in Indianapolis. Same thing with D'Amico Ryans down in Houston. But I can't argue with this. Stefanski has been amazing. And this is a team with a legitimate chance to get to the AFC championship game. Talk to us about Kevin Stefanski. Fansky and maybe some of the turmoil of that going through four different quarterbacks and still having a quality team throughout the season. Yeah, that, I think that's maybe just one of the big reasons why he, I think he will win the coach of the year, uh, what he's done with each quarterback, but really, you know, not fortunate, but finally somebody works out Joe Flacco and they go, oh, wow, he's still got a good arm. Uh, well, I, look, Joe's going to be 50 years old one day and still throwing the football like he does now. He just might not be playing. But whatever, Kevin Stefanski, I've said this so many times. I've been talking about him for weeks, maybe all year. 
just his offense. I love it. I think it's like the perfect NFL offense. It has deception, screens, move the quarterback. They it, What really impresses me about him, the play calling, but they get guys, Give the I'm giving the players credit too, but they get guys open down the field every single game, and not just once. I mean four and five times. And um, just of late, Joe Flacco's hitting them. He dials them up. So, and he's got the quarterback that can make these plays. And I think it's been tremendous uh, what they've done as a football team with all the injuries on both sides of the ball, still looking like they're an AFC contender. Yeah, Phil, Joe Flacco will get some rest on Sunday as the Browns are the only team currently in the AFC playoff picture to clinch a wild card spot. They have already earned that playoff berth. And as we look at the AFC standings and where the seeds are at this moment, Phil, you've shared with us over the past few weeks, you think Cleveland does have an optimistic outlook for the postseason. What do you make of the path for the Browns come the playoffs that start next week? Well, you know, I, I, I'm not sure who they're going to play yet, right? We don't know that, uh, would it be. But uh, I think if they get a few players healthy, that would be the big thing for me. If their secondary can get healthy and it's at full force, it's the best secondary in the NFL, of course. They, they got everything. They got speed at linebacker. They got the secondary. And they got, a, they got one elite pass rusher for sure, which, which you need. You got to be able to protect the quarterback. You got to be able to hit him. And also, I think the thing about going back to Kevin Stefanski, what he's done with the offense, he's protected his offensive line. You know, the injuries, the tackles, um, you know, with the movement of the quarterback, uh, extra protection, the screens, whatever they do, they still run the ball okay. You know, they try to. So, um, you know, Cleveland is, you know, I love this. We all use it. Uh, they're the team that nobody wants to see. But uh, um, I think they got a chance to win games in the playoffs. Uh, I don't think it'll be easy. Uh, they're still missing some key parts to it, the tackles. Um, but we'll see how it goes. But they've been exciting to watch. It's a good story with Joe Flacco. I've always liked him. I've covered him many, many times. Um, you know, he's, he couldn't be more personable and, and nice and all that. And you can, we all see that he can still play and he can still throw it with just about anybody in the league. And also with Joe Flacco, just a few, I mean, I guess it may be a decade ago when they won the Super Bowl with Baltimore, had one of the best playoff runs yeah. you're ever going to see. So certainly a guy that can lead you into the playoffs and win a Super Bowl, that would be the guy. Flipping it over to the NFC, before we get to the standings, number two and number three currently in conference play, the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions. So I wanted to get your take on what we saw on Saturday night where reporting to the referee, not reporting, and how big of a mistake that was, whether it was on the team or actually on the referee. You've been in a lot of those circumstances. What did you see from your outcome here on that Cowboys Lions game and how everything unfolded late in that game? Well, I, I, it was sad, not sad, but disappointing that it got to that. In other words, where there were mistakes made. Um, you know, I had somebody talk to me and I brought this up uh, on air a little bit. What was it against the spirit of the rules and what Detroit was doing? And I got shouted down quickly. No, they did everything right and whatever. And whoa, you know. Damn, I didn't know we were going to fight over this. Uh, but um, and then I, I talked to somebody yesterday who said it was and why and all that. I just went, wow, okay, so it's two different angles to that. But, yeah, I wish they'd have got it right on the field. Um, you know, Detroit would have won the game, it looks like, all that. So it's it was tough. Anytime the officials get involved and they determine – or have a penalty or a situation where they don't do it right and it causes one to win and one to lose, you know, that's uh, that's tough to take. I don't know what else to say yeah. about it. It was it was bad. The communication, they just didn't they didn't go slow enough, take their time to make sure they had it right. And um, they're not perfect. We know that. So it was just a bad situation for everybody. Yeah, Phil, I think that's a pretty good assessment. It's unfortunate, but it is what happened, and the game is already recorded in how this season played out. Because of it, though, the ramifications will be felt. Dallas right now, a 13-and-a-half-point road favorite against the Washington Commanders on this final Sunday of the year. With a victory for the Cowboys, they clinched the NFC East and claim that number two overall seed in the NFC playoff picture. The Lions pretty firmly in that three spot at this moment. 
moment. Still need to figure out who's going to win the NFC South. The Bucks, with a victory in Carolina can claim the division for a second consecutive year. And Phil, as we go down to the seventh and final spot, the Green Bay Packers inside Lambeau Field on Sunday will host the right. Chicago Bears. If the Packers knock off their rival, they are in to the postseason. Who do you think will claim that seventh and final NFC postseason spot? Well, I'm confused. Um, I could talk about the Packer game first because these. Yeah, I've been reading the uh, scenarios all week, trying to talk about them, and it's 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 a lot. But you know, Green Bay going to uh, Chicago going to Green Bay, that will not be easy for the Green Bay Packers. This Chicago Bears team, it's for the last four or five weeks, I've been following them and just going, wow, they're playing well. You can't run the ball. Uh, Justin Fields is. I think making a case, you sure you want to move on from me? And I think it's going to be tough. I wouldn't be surprised at all. I might even pick the Chicago Bears to beat Green Bay. But I'll say this about Green Bay. Matt LaFleur's offense has changed dramatically. I love it when I watch it. And you know what? Green Bay fans, just not going to say this for headlines or nothing else. You got another quarterback, okay? And to me, it's that's over too. He has shown week after week to me Man, can he make throws that are special? He's big. He gets it down the field. He's accurate. The only thing I'd complain about, man, if I could run like him, I'd run more. But he's throwing it so well, I don't think he wants to. And Jordan Love is, I, I, I had doubts in the, in the past, the draft, everything. But those are over. It's kind of like Jared Goff. I apologize. You won, and you're right. <laughs> so I think he's really played that well. Yeah. Phil, in the NFC here, two teams going in different directions. The Philadelphia Eagles had everything in front of them, it seemed like, here wrapping up the number two seed, but couldn't beat the Arizona Cardinals. And then taking a look at the Los Angeles Rams, playing their best football this season, heading down the stretch, and will be taking a de facto bye week this week. Give me a little bit on the Philadelphia Eagles and the Rams heading into the NFC playoffs. The, the Eagles is shocking. You know, it really is. I just figured their defense could overwhelm anybody. I expect the offensive line to overwhelm all defensive fronts. So it's caught me by a big surprise. And uh, as I watch them, hey, not getting to the quarterback where they were last year, they were tremendous. And now they have a hard time doing it. Uh, they're not getting the football, in my eyes, down the field enough. Um, you know, so I know they changed coordinators. But that should be over, let's say, to midseason. We know what we're going to be. So that's been surprising. And what was the other team you asked me about? The Rams. Philadelphia. I'm sorry? Los Angeles Rams. Oh, the Rams. I'm sorry. Yeah, well, Matt Stafford, the fact they're offensive line, when you watch it, you can't get over how aggressive they are. What happens is when you run the football consistently, your offensive line gets tougher more disciplined, all that, and they're the aggressors and not always backpedaling, trying to protect against some freak athlete on the outside Russian passer. So, very impressed with them. Look at what my Philadelphia's out there. Phil, we appreciate the time more of the early line comes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A short two-game slate in the association on this Thursday, but a couple of more key matchups and maybe a nationwide introduction to San Antonio's Victor Wembanyama. We are live right here on this Thursday on the early line, and Milwaukee will be entering this game fresh off a 
back to back as they played in Indiana last night against the Pacers. The Pacers won by 12, 142, 130 outright as a three and a half point underdog. But as we preview the matchup in San Antonio tonight, the Bucks back to a large favorite, nine and a half points, despite being on the road for the second leg of a back to back. That speaks to the Spurs this year. San Antonio, even with Victor Wembanyama in the fold, the worst record in the Western Conference at five and 28. They've been booked as an underdog in all but one of their games this year, 32 of 33, and they're just 12 and 20 against the spread, Donnie, as the underdog entering this matchup tonight. Yeah, usually that's the case here, right? You take a look at a bad basketball team that's always an underdog, but it's a matter of how much you battle against the spread here for us handicappers. And quite frankly, San Antonio hasn't battled much against the spread to cover anything this season, as you just explained. The tough part about this is, would you feel differently if last night the Milwaukee Bucks didn't play an up-tempo game and then had to fly in the San Antonio on a back-to-back? You probably look at that 247 and say there's a legitimate chance that it's going over. I don't know how you back the Spurs in the spot, even though I just told you yeah. Milwaukee's off back-to-back, but I still think that San Antonio doesn't play much defense, so Milwaukee still should have a good offensive performance, but again, we're handicapping this game before 11 a.m. Eastern, and that means Damian Lillard, a veteran guard, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, a veteran post player. Will both of them play in this game, or each one of them sit out, or both of them maybe have a split here tonight? It's a tough game to try to handicap, but on a back-to-back, I'll stick with this. Usually it's an under for me at that spot, specifically when you played an up-tempo team last night. I'll go under 247.5. and Actually, 249 now as it currently sits here. I'll take the under. Yeah, I think that total is dropping actually from where it was earlier at 249. Now the over under live on FanDuel, 247 and a half. Yeah. Yesterday it was 258 for the game between the Bucks and the Pacers. And somehow, some way, it went over by a really good margin. Of course, 272 points. Five teams around the association last night scored 140 points. That is the first time ever in a single day in NBA history. Five different Different teams have each scored at least a buck 40. We do have props out, though, that feature Giannis and Tentacumbo. 34 and a half is his live points prop. For Victor Wembanyama, it's 18 and a half. Donnie, I think one of the fascinating things to continue to evaluate this year, Victor Wembanyama was the one who was promised. He was going number one overall before we even knew who was selecting first overall in the 2023 NBA draft. And he hasn't been bad by any means. He just plays for a team in San Antonio that has been dreadful this year. 23 games below 500. It's why Vic is no longer booked as the favorite to win NBA Rookie of the Year. That's now OKC's Chet Holmgren. Yeah, and it should be there. You get those extracurriculars, Ben, as I like to say here, when you're taking a look at a very good player on a good basketball team that might be able to challenge at his, early in his career, talking about Chet Holmgren yeah. with OKC for maybe not an NBA championship, but going deep in the playoffs. You have no chance of that here for the San Antonio Spurs. So in order to get those votes back, Ben, what do you have to do? Ridiculous stuff on a night-to-night basis. And by the way, it's not as if you're watching Victor Rebanyama play bad basketball. Take a look at his last four games, 20 points, 21, 30, and 15. He's playing decently here, yeah. but each and every night when you're getting pounded here some people look at it and rightfully so you're not playing competitive basketball maybe getting some easy points because the other team is up that's not the case with Chet Holmgren he's in a night-to-night battle where his team's expected to win and playing good basketball here we'll see how it goes the rest of the way because it's a long season that we're going to watch it play out but the one thing we do know Webinyama is going to be a really good basketball player but that whole generational guy right off the bat not going to be there why because his team isn't generational it's generationally bad right now for the Spurs so it's all Webinyama or nothing for him so he doesn't even get the benefit of having hey sga why don't you drop 30 tonight so we can win a basketball game he doesn't have that it's all on his shoulders Wemby is not the missing piece letting down San Antonio. You look at the stats, Victor Wembanyama is averaging nearly 19 points per game. He leads San Antonio. He's averaging more than 10 boards per game. That leads the Spurs. He's averaging 3.1 blocks per game. I'm pretty darn sure that's the best in all of the NBA. Victor Wembanyama is performing in the way that we expected. Did we maybe think there was going to be a couple of more 30-point performances at this point? Maybe, given the generational and highly touted talent that he 
was, but again, it's because San Antonio itself has not been good. 5 and 28, an underdog in 32 of 33, and only 12 and 20 against the number. My Spurs to win 30 plus games following in the footsteps of what David Robinson and Tim Duncan did for San Antonio in their rookie years. Yeah, that wasn't my best bet of all time. Keep an eye on Damian Lillard, by the way, his three point prop tonight over three and a half, heavily juiced at minus 140. Only two of eight last night. But the volume is always there for Dame to shoot a lot of threes and then hopefully make a ton of those threes. Just a doubleheader around the association this evening. Milwaukee, a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in San Antonio. The Bucks 14-18-1 against the spread as the favored side. A nightcap in San Francisco between Golden State and Denver. The Nuggets, Donnie, booked as a three-point road favorite inside the Chase Center. The over-under, 235. Yeah, we should get a good one tonight here. Looks like the anticipated starting lineups. All the superstars should be available, which includes the Splash Brothers, both Stephen Curry and also Clay Thompson. That's a guy you want to focus on because if you have a 235 total in this game, side, look, it's still hard to win games on the road, even if you do think the Denver Nuggets are the right side in this game. But Steph Curry, take a look at his last two performances here, shot 25 times against the Dallas Mavericks and 20 times against the Orlando Magic, scoring 36 and 25 in consecutive games. Also, how about this, Ben? Chipping in with six assists and seven assists in those past two games. If we combine the three-point shots attempted for Steph Curry over the past two games, it's 24 of them. So when I'm looking at a performance, if you think Golden State is going to win, I'm not going to take Golden State as a side. It means Steph Curry is going to have a monster game, but also the luxury has been if they don't win, Steph Curry can still have a monster game on his side. So if I'm looking, forget about the rebounds, which, you know, last two games, only four combined. Yeah. Give me his points and assists plus tonight, and we'll take that there because again if he has a big game they could win if he has a big game they still could lose I just would rather cash in on Steph Curry having a big game which I think he's going to have Golden State as an underdog this year, 9-4 and four against the spread, but only three outright victories in those nine covers. Denver has been booked as a favorite 32 times already this year, 15-16-1 against the number. The Nuggets are the third-best win percentage right now in the Western Conference, but only a game behind in the standings right now from where Minnesota sits in that first-place position. Denver still 24-11, the reigning NBA champ. You saw the props up there, by the way, for Steph Curry. Donnie likes points plus assists for the chefs. Yes. Nikola Jokic, 26 and a half points. The two-time NBA MVP, the reigning NBA Finals MVP, has been under that number in five consecutive games. And in three of the previous five for Denver, he hasn't even reached 20 points. He's always having double-digit rebounds. But just something to keep in mind in a marquee matchup in a short slate on this Thursday, I expect a big night from the Joker. Plus 155 for Nikola Jokic, Donnie, to record a triple-double. Yeah, exactly. And why would you take the points there, right? You probably just say settle in the triple-double. Yeah. That way, Ben, he can get 19 points, 11 rebounds, and 10 assists, which is probably where he's going to end up. It would be a shame to say, well, I didn't want the triple-double because I just thought he would get his points. People, when you get a triple-double, all you need is 10 points. Don't worry about the points there. He'll get those, and he'll probably get a triple-double tonight. Yeah, love the look. Those are the two games in the NBA around the association. But the premier hardwood handicappers on this Spiz Grizz Network don't just stop in the NBA. We roll on to a Thursday night in college hoops. Arizona now drops all the way to 10th in the country. A loss to Purdue a few weekends ago when they were number one in the land. And then upset last weekend by Stanford, who, oh, by the way, went to Pauley Pavilion last night and won outright against UCLA as a four and a half point five point underdog Arizona hoping to bounce back back in Tucson late on this Thursday evening 9 30 p.m. Eastern time tip Donnie Wrightside will check the box score tomorrow morning the Wildcats a 12 and a half point favorite against Colorado the over under 159 and a half now the buffs have been better than many expected flirting with the top five, top 25 for a lot of this season but a 12 and a half point spread hefty in favor of the cats working in arizona's way as you can see from where it was earlier this morning 
Yeah, take a look at Colorado on offense, 29th in the country in adjusted efficiency on defense, 28th. So two top 30 sides there. That's pretty impressive. But Arizona, however, take a look at this. Top 10 in both of those categories and actually number seven in the country in adjusted efficiency on defense and also number yeah. seven in adjusted efficiency on offense. Here's where the game's going to come down to. When you look at Colorado's offense, it's really good. Effective field goal percentage, mm -hmm. which puts a lot of the equation in how you get your rebounds, how many turnovers that you have. You do turn it over a little bit too high here for Colorado. We'll see if Arizona Arizona can take advantage of that. But how about this? Top 10 in shooting the three-point shot here for the Colorado Buffaloes at 41% as a team. That's seventh overall in the country. You say, oh, that's the chance that you can win where you're an underdog if you can make your three-point shots. Here's the issue, Ben. You take a look at how many shots they take from three-point range, right? Hey, I shot 50% from three list. Ain't that good? Yeah, yeah, brother, you went one for two. Congratulations. That's not exactly you went 10 for 20 and started stacking up the points here. The reason I bring that up is you take a look at 331st in the country at volume at shooting the three-point shot so if colorado was top 10 at making them and top 10 at shooting them watch out they just yeah. don't take enough three-point shots in my mind arizona should be able to win this game and then again probably should get the cover here colorado as an underdog this year one and one both straight up and against the spread they were booked as a short underdog against miami they beat the hurricanes by 27 points colorado only has two losses this year both against power conference competition well not power conference for colorado state but colorado state is a top 25 team they were a three and a half point underdog in the rocky mountain showdown on the hardwood lost that game by just five and a six point loss to a florida state team that's not necessarily a world beater in the ACC but this Buffalo side is pretty good but where the line is working and what the odds say it just feels like a hefty line for Arizona in conference play hard to win and hard to keep games close on the road Midwest matchup is interesting for a title for this next game between Memphis and Tulsa but I guess we'll go with it the Tigers an eight and a half point favorite against the Golden Hurricanes of Tulsa Memphis has been one of the surprise in college basketball this year, Donnie, laying eight and a half on the road against Tulsa. Yeah, you take a look at Tulsa's offense here, 279th in the country in efficiency. Why is that important? Well, they turn the basketball over quite a bit. 20% of their possessions, Ben. That's one out of every five times up the court. They're not even getting a shot off and turning it over. Also, Tulsa does live from the free throw line. Top 10 in the country at getting to the line. However, Memphis doesn't foul all that much here. And if you're taking a look yeah. at the other components here, not a great three-point shooting team here for Tulsa. They just might get overwhelmed tonight from the Memphis Tigers. Yeah, Memphis has been really good this season. 11-2, and two, they've won six straight, already exceeding expectation for Penny Hardaway's crew. But when booked as a favorite, they've won a lot of their notable games as an underdog, just 2-5 and five against the spread. But Memphis is one of two teams in the country that has more than five quad one and quad two wins combined. They have seven, two in quad one, five in quad two. The only other team is the number one team in the country. That's Purdue. They have eight. Gonzaga also in action tonight against Pepperdine. The Zags right now remain in the AP top 25. They continue their historic mark there. Gonzaga a 21 and a half point favorite in Spokane tonight against Pepperdine. A best bet from us coming up next live right here on the early line on Sports Grid. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Um... Live right here on the early line on this Thursday. We close out our three hours together. It's Ben. It's Donnie. It's the Sports Grid app, the ultimate sports betting companion app available for download at both the Apple and the Play Store. Scan the QR code on your screen. Inside the Spiz Grizz app, there are things known as five-star plays. We would call those best bets for your favorite sport, your favorite team, your favorite league. Donnie, I believe this is the first time since August 24th of 2023. Mm-hmm. Now, in the last calendar year we are not going to give a best bet for thursday night football here on the early line there is no football game on this thursday so i would guess the hardwood gets our attention before we say farewell and goodbye it's time for bye 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 it might be basketball but it can still be winners donnie what do you like on this thursday Let's go out late night here. Denver Nuggets, Golden State Warriors already talked up Steph Curry, so you got to put your money Mm. where your mouth is here. We're going to take points and assists here and combine them. 33.5. We're going to go over that. It's at a minus 104 price currently at the sports book. So, hey, Steph, what's that mean? Just give me 34 points. Who cares about the assist? Let's not use a calculator to add anything up at 2.30 in the morning. Let me just roll over and see Steph in the mid-30s. We cash in this ticket. Let's have some fun. I'm going Big Ten basketball, baby, on this Thursday night inside the Breslin Center Mm. in East Lansing. Michigan State's a a 13.5-point favorite against Penn State. Of course, the Spartans under Tom Izzo, a preseason fourth-ranked team in the AP Top 25, started off 4-5, and their worst start in two decades in East Lansing. Since that point, they've won four straight. They've covered in four straight. They've gone over in five in a row. I think you can lay the 13-and-a-half with the Spartans at home against the Nittany Lions or take their team total over 80 and a hook, a number they have been over in three of these four wins. The only time under was 79 total points. Michigan State also in that abysmal start started off 0-2 in conference play. They get their first win in Big Ten action tonight. A football Friday tomorrow on the early line starts at 8 a.m. Eastern. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.